0: We have to speak against slander. As I said, slander is to assassinate a person's character. And in Romans chapter 1, we talk about the Gentile ungodly. They are backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now, as a Christian, you're not going to go there. You're not going to be a backbiter talk about someone behind their back, slander their good name, because you want to bring them down. That's evil. As a witness, you must be faithful in how you represent or bear witness or testify of a person. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Dollarher. Thank you for joining with us, and I trust you'll be blessed today as we return to the Ninth Commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. How important it is to honor the name, the character, and be a true witness in all our dealings with men. So I trust you'll stay tuned with us right through to the end of the program. We have a hymn, All Heal the Power of Jesus' Name, And firstly, we begin with our few comments in the book of Romans. What is meant by the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you? Why did Paul the Apostle say that in Romans chapter 2, that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you? How could that be? Well, this is an Old Testament passage citation from Isaiah 52, five, and when God's people in the Old Testament turned to idolatry, when they blasphemed God, they caused the other nations to sin and to mock, uh, that these who called themselves the people of God were really no different from their own idolatrous ways. And what is the argument here in Paul's writing? What's he trying to prove? What's he trying to bring out by this? That it is your conduct that is to lead men to trust in the Lord. Your conduct is such as to lead the pagan world to blaspheme and reproach both your religion and its author. That's the accusation of the apostle against these Jews in his day. By your hypocrisy and crimes, the pagan world is led to despise a religion which is observed to have no effect in purifying and restraining its professors against all manner of sin. And so the answer to this is a life of purity. A life of purity will bring honor to God. It will be consistent with the Christian profession and it will be the very answer to all the, the mockery and the taunting against the child of God. The best thing that you have this out of heaven is a testimony for God's salvation. And you need to make sure that you walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Uh, there is no assurance given in the Bible to those who just speak empty words those who came to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7 and said, Lord, Lord, have we not done many such things in thy name? And Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, what a sentence, what a condemnation of those who merely paid lip service to Christian things. The important thing is that we obey the Lord with a godly life, that we are truly saved, truly converted, and in the power of the gospel, live in newness of life. And that is the challenge that is given to every Christian. By their fruit ye shall know them, that we shall be judged by every word that proceedeth out of our mouths. These are the things that make us known in the world as Christians. This is what makes us salt to uh, purify the cause of Christ all around us. And so I trust that it will take these things to heart today and that God will use them in your own heart and life. Read them for yourself, Romans chapter 2. Now we're turning to our hymn today, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. And this is the very revelation of God. So this is the first principle of loving the truth. God is truth. You see how foolish it is for men who deny God to say they're following the truth. Can't do it. You see how modern man follows his own wisdom, and all the way he's following a lie. God is truth. And that's where the Christian starts. That's the starting point for our Christianity. The second thing, we follow and love the truth by confessing that the Lord Jesus is the truth. And this is what makes Christianity so wonderful, so unique. John 14, 6, Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No man cometh to the Father but by me, John fourteen six. You know that John, in his writing, he described the Lord Jesus as the Word. He's the living Word. That means he is the revelation of the Father. In the Bible, you have the written Word. In Jesus, you have the living Word, the Logos. And everything that God has to say to men, he says through his Son. Hebrews 1, 2 says that God in these last days has spoken by his Son. And the Lord Jesus himself was never guilty of a lie, Every word he uttered, every promise he made, every claim that he made of himself, it was the infallible, inerrant message of God. His promises are watertight. They're good all the way to the bank. Nicodemus said it, thou art a teacher come from God. Paul said it in Acts 4.12, there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And there's one mediator between God and men. The woman at the well said, Thou art that prophet, that prophet. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, they realized Jesus is that prophet that has come into the world. Now, if you're a lover of truth, you will understand that God is the truth and that the Lord Jesus, sent by the Father, is the true Savior. If you're fighting that, If you're objecting to that, if you're questioning the fact that this man called Jesus could be the only Redeemer, the only Savior of men, if you're on the outside looking in, questioning, observing, but you've never claimed the Lord Jesus as the true Savior of your soul, how can you claim to be working for the truth? Rather, you're resisting it. You're on the outside opposed to the truth. And of course, one day, the Lord Jesus will be your judge. He will stand before you, and you will stand before him, and you will give account, and you will your life will be matched up to the life of the Lord. How will you stand if you've denied him, rejected him, fought against his claims, would not accept his promises, would not bow the knee to him as Lord and Savior, you could not say you've been working for the truth. In Acts 17.31, it says, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has appointed, then what will the liar do? What will the person rejecting truth do? How shall he stand on that day? Now, I say all of this because the ninth commandment is a part of God's law, and that law is like ten fingers pointing at you that you need a Savior, claiming you and calling you to surrender your heart and life that you need to be saved from sin. But as Jesus is the only truth or true Savior, you must trust him today. You must come to him as your Lord and Savior today. And that's my gospel appeal. That's my heart speaking to your heart today. Do not reject the claims, the call of the Lord Jesus to be your Savior. If you reject him, you're rejecting the truth, and you're breaking the ninth commandment and you're committing a terrible sin for which you will give account on that great day. And I would want you on the inside, accepting the truth, rejoicing in the truth, receiving the promises, knowing that it is well with your soul, having peace with God, and that Christ is your Redeemer. We move on to number three now, to building a testimony of truthfulness. If we're working for the truth and loving the truth, then you will be engaged in building up your testimony for the truth. And as a Christian, you must insist on being truthful and known to be faithful. You cannot be a faithful man for God if your testimony rolls on deceit And lies, and you cannot allow even the suspicion of lying hang over your head if you're building up your testimony for truth. Now, there's a number of ways to do this. Firstly, by studying the truth. Every Christian who says, I love the truth and I want to stand for the truth, well, it requires that you study it. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. And you've got to be building up your testimony on the truth because you are daily feeding and studying the truth of God's Word. Seek to understand the times through the lens of the Bible. What does God have to say about this? What is God's mind on this matter? That's ever going to be the question of the child of God. And of course, the Bible gives us discernment. The Bible enables us to weed out the, the wrong and to sort out the truth and come to a conclusion of what is right and what is good, what's acceptable in God's sight. The Bible is a book that gives wisdom. Proverbs 1.5 says, "'A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels.'" And so a Christian is not a person with a closed mind. A Christian is not one who rejects opinions but we study truth that we may comprehend what is right and what is wrong. And pray. Pray to be built up in the faith. Pray to be built up in heart. Seek the company of God-fearing friends who love the truth. It's a well-known saying that a man is known by his friends. Would you find such friends at a casino? If you tell me I was at the casino two evenings this week… I'm sorry, you're not going to be building up your testimony for truth. You're not going to find them at the card game when the whole approach is deception. And if you're hanging out in the company of such people, you're going to lose that testimony. You could never build up your testimony loving the truth if you make friends with the criminal element of this world. Christians make friends of those who love truth. And so you befriend God's people. That's what God has ordained the church to be a place where people love the truth, rejoice in the truth, and stand for the truth. You also build up your testimony by practicing the truth. It's not just words, it's not just, well, these are nice principles and ideas, but this now applies to me in my daily walk. Keeping your word with your fellow men. A Christian ought to be known for keeping your word. Let me read Psalm 15.4. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. And you know it happens sometimes that you give a, a deal or a promise or an undertaking, and then you realize, boy, this is really going to cost me. Can I do this now? Maybe you sell your car and you agreed on $1,000, and then you discover the next day that it's worth 2000 Boy, I was what was I thinking of? I didn't even realize the value of the thing. So what are you going to do with your friend? Are you going to phone him up and say, well, I've rethought that whole deal? No, there are times to be a man or woman of your word, you're going to, you're going to honor your word. Or for you young people, it might be a commitment to babysit maybe a a, a family friend or a neighbor, and you've promised, well, I will babysit on that night, and I will be there for those certain hours. And then a friend comes along and gives you an invitation to something that's really exciting, and you would rather go there. But, oh, I've given my word. I've given my commitment. So what do you do? Well, you maybe talk to the person and say, look, can someone else fill in? Uh, Are you stuck? Do, Do I need to do it? And they say, well, we really need you, and you're going to keep your word. That is how you build up your testimony of standing for the truth, even on those practical things. And those are opportunities to build up your reputation as a lover of truth. Also, by paying your bills. there's another way that everybody creates that credit history. And you're not long in this world until you're known as someone whom you can't trust because they won't pay their bills, or they won't be on time, and you'll have to keep after them. And it's a real pee in just trying to get them to pay up. Now, a Christian cannot afford to have that reputation. And this is where a lover of truth, working for the truth, comes in real practical terms. There's another angle on this that sometimes you have to defend your own name. We live in a world where we get slandered, where we get accused of things that are not right. And slander is really character assassination. It's murder of a person's character and reputation, and it can do great, great harm. Uh, In General Motors this last week, there were 15 employees who were, what was the term, removed from the organization because of that whole recall shambles that was. But you can imagine if those 15 people are the wrong people. They're not the people at fault at all. It's someone else. But someone raised something about them, and they're, they're going to carry the blame. They lose their job. And who's going to hire them? And there are times when you have to clear your name. Your reputation. And you cannot afford for your name to be tarnished and dragged into the gutter and left that you can't even witness for God. And so, you do all you can to give the facts. You do all you can to give out the true information. Now, it might disappoint you what men will do with it, but you do have an obligation to give the facts. And as you present present those facts, you seek to win people to the truth. But, of course, what you don't do is take vengeance. God's the final judge. And over time, he will vindicate. He will let the truth be known. And sometimes there are those things that will only come out on the judgment day. But we have a responsibility to stand for the truth. We have to speak against slander. As I said, slander is to assassinate a person's character. And in Romans chapter 1, we talk about the Gentile ungodly. They are backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now, as a Christian, you're not going to go there. You're not going to be a backbiter, talk about someone behind their back, slander their good name, because you want to bring them down. That's evil. As a witness, you must be faithful in how you represent or bear witness or testify of a person. To hold the truth or withhold the truth or to twist the facts is a wicked breach of the ninth commandment. And so we must, in those situations, stand for truth, You must say, well, these are the facts as I know them. These are the things I witnessed, what the ramifications are, what that means in this case. I don't always know, but this is what I saw, this is what I heard, and I'm going to bear witness truthfully. That becomes the responsibility of the Christian. And where we have a friend who is slandered or someone who is accused wrongfully, and we have information that may be used to clear his name— It is our duty to step up and to say, these things are wrong because I have this information. These things are important. Now, those are all the practical things. We could go on all day about it, couldn't we? Husbands and wives, he said, she said, all the tit-for-tat attitudes. But in every relationship, be a lover of truth. And how strong a marriage bond can become where a a wife can honestly say, look, if my husband said it, it's true. I know it's true. What confidence that builds. What strength that gives to the marriage, and vice versa. If something says something about a wife, and and the husband, look, if my wife said what is her statement, I know her that she will tell the truth at any cost. If she's wrong, she'll admit it. I know her. And that's a confidence builder, it's a harmony builder it brings peace and, and strength to any relationship and so I would say to well to us all but in marriage situation never lie. if you're found out in a lie it could be finished. how are you going to be trusted again? It is essential that we keep this commandment. Now give me a couple of minutes just to come to another point if we are loving the truth, then we're going to promote the gospel, because this gospel is the gospel of a God of all grace, and his promises are sure and certain. They are the absolute foundation for all living. And the greatest thing that we can do is to promote the gospel that will turn men from being liars to lovers of the truth. Now, think back to Paul's statement to Titus that the Cretans are always liars. How would you like to be a pastor in a country like that? They're all liars or always liars. But the miracle of the gospel is that there was a church built there. The truth would prevail in hearts there. The message of Calvary would win men and women from that wicked spirit of lying to loving the truth. And that's what the gospel does. I can say today that as I seek to be a man of truth, this is what the gospel has done for me. This is the the power of the Holy Spirit living in my heart. He's the spirit of truth. He puts the spirit of truth in my heart. I love the truth. It's because of what the gospel has done for me. And so the greatest thing we can do in society to promote the truth is promote the gospel. Tell men and women of our Savior and and the gospel message. See them converted from wickedness to a life of faith in the Saviour and rejoicing in the truth. And praise God, the gospel can claim our tongues and tame our tongues. Soap doesn't do it. Many mothers have tried that one. And when their children have used their tongue wrong, they've gotten the soap out and given it a good washing. But that doesn't work altogether. It may get the message that you don't approve. But the gospel of the Lord Jesus turns men from being liars and backbiters and haters of the truth to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus. And this tongue, which God created to praise him, but many have used to deny him, by the power of the gospel, this tongue can praise the Lord again. And so that wicked tongue that has blasphemed and has lied and cheated God can change the heart, put his spirit within your soul, and make you to praise the Savior. I hope you've done that today in our hymnal, as we have sung these hymns together. I hope your tongue will be used well. It will not be a weapon for lies, but an organ of praise to glorify the Lord. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. I trust the Lord has blessed and encouraged your heart. As edeniram Judson lay in a foul Burmese jail with 32 pounds of chains on his ankles and his feet tied to a bamboo pole, one sneeringly asked, What about the prospects of converting the heathen? Instantly, Judson replied, The prospects are just as bright as the unfailing promises of the never-failing God. Let that word strengthen your faith today. There have been many who through years of service have suffered much for the Lord Jesus, and yet through their suffering they have sown the seed of the gospel faithfully and in due time, and very often they cast their bread upon the waters, and after many days it returned again to them. Let us never be discouraged, but The work of the gospel is in vain, for ye know that your labor is not in vain, in the Lord. May God bless you. Stay tuned now for these messages. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604 897 40. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca.
1: This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is FPC.ca and there you can find gospel articles links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning, and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30pm. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30am from September to June. You can contact us at 604 567 1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.